Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, AM 1150. It's a raining, raining spring day here in Seattle. Nonetheless, a great day to take your dog for a walk, as we like to say. Getting them out somewhere new, even. New sights, new smells, especially. I hear the wet ground makes the smells even that much better for your dog. So uh, have a great show today. In just a few minutes, I'll be bringing on Dr. Brian Hare, who I talked with a couple years ago, uh, in and around a couple years ago. He's the co-founder of Dognition.com and the co-author of The Genius of Dogs. So really looking forward to talking with him. I have a quick announcement. Uh, Pure Air will be at the Petapalooza in Auburn this weekend, Saturday, May 16th. In booth number 101, Pure Air is partnering with Posado Safe Haven. Posados will have Pure Air on sale with an event promo. So there's a free product with purchase. Um, so definitely check them out if you're going to the Petapalooza event in Auburn this weekend, Saturday, May 16th. Be sure to find our friends at Pure Air. Also would love to acknowledge our other partners, the Natural Pet Pantry. www.naturalpetpantry.com is their website and Jet City Animal Clinic. This Petapalooza sounds like a, a rock concert. Do we got any like dog bands or <laughs> no. cat bands performing? No cat bands. That'd be great. No <laughs> dog bands, though. No. Darn. Yeah. Someone's missing a bet. Yep. All right. So we have Dr. Brian Hare on the line from the East Coast, I believe. Dr. Hare, welcome back to the dog show. Hey, thank you. Great to be with you. So it's been a couple years. I think it was um, almost a couple years. It was July, uh, the July after you launched Dognition, which was, I believe, in February, two years ago. That's right. And um, now I see you are hosting Nat Geo Wild's Is Your Dog a Genius as part of their BarkFest weekend, which starts this Friday night with your show at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. And I'm excited to hear about your, you're going to be talking about your work with Dognition, and I believe um, also talking about a mutual interest we have in Chaser the Border Collie, who I interviewed uh, John Pilly and his daughter um, just a few months ago, I think. And I read that book and it blew my mind. So I'm ex- a cool story. excited to talk with you about that too. So so you, uh, so this weekend is BarkFest. Um, I assume this means dog-related content all weekend? You got it. it, it <laughs> put it on your dog's calendar. All right. And, and our show is actually a series, a three-part series. It'll be at 10 o'clock in the evening on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, three different shows. Yeah, it's a three-part Ooh. series. Is your dog a genius? Cool. So, you know, in a little bit of a nutshell, not to give away too much, um, but what are you going to be kind of focusing on in this program? Well, uh, you know, we do the best science, which isn't a surprise, uh, and we highlight, you know, some of the big discoveries and what people are excited about and what it might mean for you at home. But what's really different about this show is we ask you to participate, and we give Mm -hmm. you uh, ideas about how, and the vehicle for that, of course, is Dognition. Mm -hmm. So the show really is about using Dognition um, and helping people get excited about discovering the inner genius of their dog in a way they might not have thought about before. Yes, which is so key. I know we talked in our first interview, um, which was almost a couple years ago, about 
You said dognition is all about helping you identify what's the learning style or cognitive style that your dog has. Precisely. And that um, I think the idea of, you know, a cognitive style in the first place might surprise a lot of people who live with dogs still. Well, and what we try to do with the show is illustrate exactly what we're talking about. And we do that by going and spending time with, you know, what we would consider hero dogs, dogs that are helping people who are disabled, Mm -hmm. dogs, I mean, dogs that are helping people who have, um, uh, you know, problems um, recovering from PTSD, from, uh, you know, battle in, in the Middle East, or dogs that you know, find drugs and bombs, all sorts of yeah. different dogs that are doing these incredible things. And then we run them through the Dognition game and, you know, find out exactly what it is that allows these dogs to do these amazing things. But then what we do is we go and play the same games with people's family dogs. Yeah. And what you find out is that all of the things that those hero dogs were doing that allows them to be so amazing, family dogs can do too. Yeah. And so I think that is, uh, you know, going to be one of the powerful messages at home is that your dog is doing all sorts of cool stuff. We just have to give them a chance to show it. Yes. Well, so I just want to sort of reintroduce Dognition to those people who have maybe not heard of it before. Um, sure. And it's something that people can participate from all over the world. So wherever you're listening from, you can definitely partake in Dognition. The website's dognition.com. And so, there's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Well, there's a, um, like like you said in our first interview, it really helps identify how different dogs learn. And there's differences, and I'd like to hear the complete list of categories, but like memory, uh, some dogs uh, rely more on gestures that they're given versus others. Um, level of cunning, uh, which Perfect. I think is a big one. Perfect. And then there's empathy and inferential reasoning. So, so I'm impressed. You, you, uh, I, I appreciate the homework you've done. So, the that's right. We we help you measure five core competencies, things that you know a group of animal cognition experts, myself included, thought were really important for being a dog. And the key thing about all these things is that they vary independently. So just because you're a really empathic dog, it doesn't mean you're a great communicator. Just because you are capable of inferential reasoning doesn't mean you rely on your memory. Mm-hmm. And so that's what gives us all these individual dogs that we come to know. Anybody who has multiple dogs or has had multiple dogs knows that one dog isn't the same as the other. Yeah. So we're trying to help figure out what is that and how do we understand these dogs for who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And that dogs, um, a lot of times, because my expertise is in training and behavior, and I do this work Uh around Seattle and through the show, of course, but a lot of times people talk to me about, you know, well, I don't know, they they refer to their dog as either smart or not smart. Uh And it's like, well, it kind of depends because, I mean, I think there's just different forms of intelligence. That's right. And so that's exactly right. And, you know, we're trying to help people. I mean, the show's called Is Your Dog a Genius? But the first thing we do is say, yes, your dog is a genius. Yeah. Now let's move to the next question, which is the one everybody should be asking, which is what kind of genius does your dog have? That's right. And so, you know, a dog, for instance, um, like my dog, when we went through Dognition, I tried to predict what he would do, and I was wrong about most everything, (laughs) even though I 
you know, I do this for a living, yeah. and I founded, you know, the whole thing. Um, you know, I thought he wouldn't be very empathic and that, you know, he'd be a great communicator. And, um, you know, I didn't really know about some of the other things what to predict. Mm -hmm. And he was extremely empathic relative to other dogs, because that's the key thing. Once you play the games, your dog is compared to every other dog in our database. Now we have tens of thousands of dogs that have played this. So you're going to get great feedback about, you know, who your dog is relative to other dogs. But when I did this, uh, incredibly, uh, you know, high empathy that I was not aware of. And then his memory, well, he's not relying on his memory at all. So when I say sit, stay, and he wanders off, it's probably because he forgot. Mm. He's not being disobedient. Mm. His, he has a, a working memory load that's going to be less than other dogs. So it's very, very helpful to understand these things about your dog. Yeah, and especially, I mean, for anybody who's working with a dog, and I know you mentioned, too, you know, really wanting professionals, other professionals, you know, trainers, people who work with dog training and behavior professionally also to have access to this these tools as well. And that Absolutely. example is huge because, I mean, so important to be able to read accurately where the dog is coming from and what the dog's experience is and adjusting how you interact with the dog based off of that accurate reading. So like you said, if you told a dog to stay and they get up and walk away, it's like, okay, well, is this dog not relying on memory or is this dog cunning? Right. (laughs) You know, like, oh, you're not paying attention. I'm going to just take off. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, boy, I I love it. This is great that you remembered all this. So, I mean, it's perfect. So, So, yeah, that's right. A dog being, quote, disobedient, I mean, it can be for a lot of different reasons. And so, you know, instead of having a cookie-cutter approach to training, the hope is that we are moving towards a more individualized approach. And Dognition, you know, can be a big part of making that happen. Yeah. So it's dognition.com. And is it uh, still the case that there's, like, a free trial for people? Uh, There is uh, during the TV show. Okay. Uh, as a promotion, uh, you can sign up, and there's some free games that are available that you can try out and see what you think. And then, of course, when you watch the show, you're going to see some of the games. You can play them at home for free. Right. What you can't, what what you don't get by doing that is you don't get to get a report that compares your dog to all other dogs in the database, and that's really crucial because if you want to know where your dog compares, then that's what you really need. And so, um, the the other thing that you know, the big component of what we do is, uh, you know, this is a citizen science um, experience where you're going to learn about your own dog, but at the exact same time, you're contributing to the greater good because your data is being used by myself, other scientists, uh, to make discoveries about how dogs think. We actually just submitted our first publication uh, manuscript for publication in a scientific journal this week, Mm. and we'll be doing more and more of that. And the idea is, in a weekend, we can collect more data with the help of citizen scientists who are trying to learn more and understand their dog better than we could in years yeah. in a more conventional setting. Well, you had said um, when we were talking the first time, like, if you wanted to, for example, compare Chihuahuas versus Great Danes um, and, and, and compile enough data to have any sense for possible differences among breeds or breed groups... There are so many different breeds that to to you know get the the, the only hope is citizen science <laughs> exactly 
That's the only hope. I mean, you know, the joke that I always say is, look, if you think breeds are different, then the good news for you is that there's no science to say you're wrong. The bad news is there's also no science to say you're right. Right. So, so, you know, science hasn't been able to speak to these things. uh, And if the breeds really differ as much as we think they are, we should be able to measure it. We should be able to demonstrate it scientifically. And we haven't been able to do that. And that's what Dognition, a big part of our mission is. And it's not just breeds. We can answer all sorts of questions. And the crucial thing is we can answer questions that dog enthusiasts are interested in, not just what right. um, funding agencies want to study, right. uh, but what people who love dogs are interested in. So I was one of the questions I was going to ask you is how, how are you going to be sharing um, you know, what you've learned through your work with Dognition, and it sounds like you've got a uh, publication in the works. Now, is that something that's accessible to the general public, or is that just something that is within the community of scientists? Well, normally, historically, sadly, the answer is it is only, um, you know, available for free to people who have access to university libraries. Right. Because Scientific journals charge a pretty hefty fee uh, to have access. But we are going to be publishing, we hope, in an open access journal. Mm. Um, We've submitted to PLOS One. And so if the journal accepts the paper and we get through the peer review process, which I hope we do, uh, then that article would be freely available to anybody in the world. Cool. So. So the hope is that when, and of course that's only fair, if our citizen scientists created the knowledge right. and the data, uh, it should be available to everyone for free. Yeah. So, so, and that, you know, our company truly is a, a science-based company. It's not, um, we're not just talking about it. We are founded by scientists and we are being run by scientists and we really want to make some discoveries and help understand animals and especially dogs better. Yeah. I had a uh, an interaction with a client recently. It was actually with a Chihuahua that you'll appreciate. Um, uh, her daughter was a was working with a mother daughter team, and they had two dogs. Uh, one of them is a long haired Chihuahua, and they are in our first meeting. Jokingly said that where she was sort of looking at me, and you know it looked sort of blank, but I know better. And mm-hmm. they but they called it um, elevator music. And that mm-hmm. they didn't think that she had anything going on. And after mm-hmm. just a really just a couple exercises and training, she excelled much more quickly than her brother, who they thought was the quote unquote smarter one. And well, I, that that is a, that is such a, a poignant story because that happens obviously with dog nation all the time. And I yep. think that's one of the big issues when we think about dog intelligence. You know, a lot I've been, I get interviewed all the time and talk to people about dog. Obviously, dog psychology intelligence all the time. That people say, oh, my dog's either really smart or really dumb, like you, uh, you know, recounted. And, you know, I just on an interview in the last couple of days, somebody said, oh, well, my dog eats poop, so obviously he can't be a genius. He's really stupid. And so, you know, my response was, well, you know, compared to what? When people say a dog is smart or not, well, what are you comparing them to? Yeah. And, and so the answer is we need to be comparing dogs to each other. So... The only way you could have known, as you are suggesting, is by comparing her to her brother. And when you see that comparison, then she starts, you know, looking like maybe we've misjudged her. Right. (laughs) The little chihuahua you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's not elevator music anymore. And, and, you know, the same person who can, you know, have a, 
you know, a, an accident that's just beyond silly or can't remember where they left their keys can then go out and work for NASA and help launch a rocket. I mean, right. so you can have genius and stupidity in the same individual, and that can be the case for dogs. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I challenge all dog lovers. I really, truly believe it's an expression of love to go learn more about how your dog thinks, compare them to other dogs, so you really understand who they are. Um, and and I think you're going to be surprised. And the, if you're really... If you really want to answer the challenge, you have to do what I did, which is you have to try to predict before you start what your dog will do. You have to write it down, yeah. even give it to a friend, yeah. then play the game, and then look at the results, and then see what you actually correctly predicted. And then you'll know you learned something, because it's going to be really hard to predict what your dog does. Yeah, yeah, as was the, you know, proven by your dog and you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, it's really funny because we tested my mother-in-law's dog. I, 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 um, and and it was really cute. We we actually made her write it all down and then and try to predict what what uh, her dog's name is. Chichi, just the most adorable dog. Oh my goodness, I miss her. But anyway, um, and and she got her results back and she said, "Well, I knew all that. That's exact. You know, I already knew that about my dog." <laughs> yeah. And so then we made her go look at her notes. And, you know, I was like, well, did you really know that? And she, and so then she's like, wow, okay, yeah, maybe I didn't. So, yeah. so, so um, you know, that's the other thing is we have to be willing to be open-minded that maybe there's something left to learn. Yeah. Well, there's plenty for sure. And the other thing, that just to encourage people, because I talk about this all the time, both on the show and with my clients, is I see a lot of dogs that have pent-up energy, and a lot of the times I'm not talking about physical energy, I'm talking about mental energy, and you mm-hmm. said that the brain is the most expensive organ in the body. Oh, absolutely, without without any competition, yes. So, you know, there is, in addition to so many other reasons and benefits to, to participating in Dognition with your dog or dogs, is that it will also tire your dog, <laughs> likely. Yeah, you know, oh, Absolutely. Burn that mental energy, give it a constructive direction so that it's not going elsewhere, which often manifests in undesirable behaviors if it's left up to the dog. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, we, we actually do have a, a subscription program where you can get a new game every month. It's once a month. You know, give your dog a new problem it's never seen before. Yeah. Challenge your dog. You Challenge your dog to use its mind. It'll be fun for you, too, because obviously we have a lot of, you know, discoveries and uh, a lot of expert um, you know, content, et cetera. And, um, you know, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, and I know your dog will because fetch, chase, you know, running, being together with humans, obviously all those things dogs love and want. Um, but you know, they're not just jocks and, and best friends. They're, they're also, um, you know, they have a mind and you can help exercise it. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, we're going to talk more with Dr. Brian Hare about his website, Dognition.com. He's the host of Nat Geo Wild's Is Your Dog a Genius?, which airs this Friday, May 15th, Saturday and Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, 
to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m. Thanks in part to Jude and Paul Ponton at Whispering Dragon in Seattle, we cover the world of animals. This week, May 17th, it's an encore presentation of Animal World. Hear Dr. Nels Rasmussen, best practitioner, work his magic with remote treatments for collars. Plus, he works on a cat patient live in the studio. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. Adventure, facing the unknown head-on and finding spirituality in the most unlikely of places with the mystical backpacker and the cyclist who rode a tandem bike through 81 countries. Keep up with show news on Facebook at Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair and follow on Twitter at Vicki St. Clair. And be sure and tune in live every Monday at noon here on Alternative Talk 1150. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Want to hear something different from talk radio? The choice is clear. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And I am talking with Dr. Brian Hare, who is the host of Nat Geo Wild's Is Your Dog a Genius? Kicking off BarkFest weekend, which begins this Friday, May 15th at 10 p.m., um, is Your Dog a Genius is a three-part television series. So there's three separate shows, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, each at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Uh, really looking forward to watching these this weekend. Dr. Hare, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So um, now you got to meet with, so we were talking about your work with Dognition. Dognition.com is the website. I refer my clients to Dognition all the time because when they ask me, well, what can I do to burn my dog's mental energy? That's uh-huh. one of the that's one of the things that I tell you that I send them Fantastic. to. Fantastic. Yep. Great. So um so they've been enjoying that. And um so I talked with you almost two years ago. How many individuals have participated in Dognition so far? Uh, we have passed the uh, you know ten thousand mark. So wow. We have literally thousands of people who have participated, and we literally have the world's largest database on dog psychology and really dog behavior um, in the world. Wow, 
very exciting. <laughs> and you've got some it of is. those some of those results coming out soon in a um, in a paper that's working on being published right now, scientific paper. And uh, definitely look forward to you know learning about what you've learned you know with this opportunity that you've really created. Uh, Dr. Hare is also the author of Is Your Dog, oh, I'm sorry, The Genius of Dogs. Uh, he's a co-author of that book, um, so you can order that book anywhere books are sold. It's an excellent book. And, you know, the theme really is getting to know your dog mentally and how your dog learns that your dog actually does have a thought process, but getting to know your dog's learning styles as an individual Memory versus gestures versus empathy versus inferential reasoning. And I wanted to talk to you about the inferential reasoning because John Pilly talks about that a lot in his work with Chaser, who mm-hmm. is, which is part of you, lucky dog you got to meet with. Uh, you got to meet Chaser and see the bins full of toys and all that That's stuff. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, what, what he's done completely rocked my world as well and um, I had the uh, opportunity to talk with him back in December of last year on the show and um, so he said he used that word a lot which was inference Mm -hmm. so will you talk to us a little bit about that one in particular absolutely well first of all John Pilly is just one of the nicest individuals you Mm. could hope to meet I mean he is just a lovely human being uh, and he was so kind and invited, actually, the, the whole Nat Geo wild team, yeah. the crew down there, and we did get to film. We may be one of the last people that he's going to let film with Chaser because I think he's kind of over it. But uh, <laughs> he's, he's helped so many different people. So we felt really lucky, and it is true that the bins of toys literally fill a room in his house. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible when he dumped them all out, of course, and made a mountain of toys. So um, the... Uh, so, yeah, he uses inference and inferential reasoning in talking about Chaser because, um, and we have an inferential reasoning game in Dognition. And really, this is the, the big thing about uh, the field of animal cognition is there are different types of intelligence, and animal thinking is not just about being learning machines. Animals can actually do some trial and error thought in their minds before they even behave. They can sort of say, okay, should I, just like you or I, they can say, oh, should I go this way or should I go that way? Should I talk to this person or that person? Oh, no, I don't want to do that because if I do that, this might happen. So the idea is they're actually doing some of this mental calculus. And that's what inferential reasoning is all about. So the simple game you play through Dognition that's relevant to what Chaser's doing is you hide food in one of two places and then you show your dog where the food is not hidden. And so the inference that is required, of course, is I just saw there's not food in that hiding place. (laughs) Yeah. It must be in the other place. But there's no perceptual information. You can't with your eyes know that. You can't with your nose know that because we know that in these games they're not using their nose. So they have to mentally make the calculation and imagine where the food is. And so that same process is what Chaser is doing as Chaser's learning all those words, which I'm happy to tell you about. Yeah, one of the things that I thought in my own mind as I was, you know, thinking about this interview and your work and Chase, you know, a Chaser's work and kind of this whole world of it, and like, wow, this really shows how 
you know, this idea of that inferential reasoning even exists in the first place in dogs, um, which doesn't surprise me, but just that it's really being, uh, you know, talked about in public uh, among scientists. But that is like how you were describing, oh, I don't know, should I go left or should I go right or blah, blah, blah. And like that dogs, it's just sort of interesting to contemplate what does that thought process look like, quote unquote, for a dog who's not who's not using verbal language to work it through in their mind, but there yeah. is still it's being worked through in their mind and they are reasoning and making choices based off of whatever their thoughts or feelings are, but those aren't formed with words. That's right. And, you know, ultimately, you know, you can't get inside another human's mind, much less an animal mind, but that's why we do these games where we can control for different variables and we know that they're, for instance, in that inference game I just described, they're not using their eyes, they're not using their nose, they obviously can't hear where it went. The only thing they could be doing to figure out where it is is to make an inference, and it's got to be a mental calculation they're privately making in their minds to guess correctly where to go. Now, the key thing is not all dogs do that and not all dogs do it all the time. Mm. So then that's when it gets really fun is which is the dog that is able to do this type of inference and when do they make these types of inference? Sometimes dogs are not making inferences. Sometimes they are relying on things that they've slowly learned instead of making an inference where you and I might make one. But then other times they are making inferences. And so that's what the science is all about, is to figure out where are animals using inferential reasoning and who are the individuals who are using it. Because the cool thing about inferential reasoning is that's what gives you flexibility. Training tricks, training animals to do things, that actually makes them less flexible problem solvers. You're trying to actually get less behavior from them. So when you teach a dog to sit, and you really want them to sit exactly when you tell them to, so it doesn't matter what situation it is, I want you to do this one thing when I say this one word. That's not particularly flexible. Right. Cognition is all about, I've never been in this situation ever before. Right. I have to make a choice, and I have to make the correct choice. That's what inferential reasoning allows for. Yeah. And giving them the opportunity to experience that, um, I know you've both said in, you know, in your work, I've heard you say, and then also I heard um, John Pilly, who, by the way, when I interviewed him, brought up your name a couple times. We talked about you on the air. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, but was about that they, I don't remember if it was you or he, but that a dog will prefer to actually work for food than just eat food that's put in front of them. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and, you know, the other thing is with all this new discovery of, um, you know, the role of oxytocin in bonding and the new paper that was out just three weeks ago about uh, in science, which is the most prestigious magazine in academia, uh, showing that um, dogs actually create oxytocin in us mm. when they have mutual gaze and that they're creating oxytocin in themselves. Now, oxytocin is the hug hormone. It's the same hormone that leads to bonding between mother and infant. It's the same hormone um, that, you know, leads to parent and children being bonded and social bonds between um, different, even in different species, not just humans. It's yeah. in, in all mammals. But the, the new finding that was reported in science was it was a sort of a, a very conclusive demonstration that dogs 
are actually affecting human oxytocin levels and vice versa. Yeah, which is a perfect bridge. Thank you for my next topic, which I wanted to talk to you about the social part of this. Mm -hmm. And you said, uh, you know, basically, what is it? I have it as, oh, you can't play problem-solving games with dogs that they don't enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in that John Pilly's big breakthrough in his work with Chaser was finding her motivation. So it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, really separating motivation from ability as far as learning goes. And we're, and John and I are on the same page there. And the, you know, I had my big, you know, discovery, not with dogs, but with great apes for that Mm -hmm. same exact reason. Some people had argued for decades that chimpanzees weren't capable of thinking about the thoughts of others. So they just, the idea was respond to um, uh, stimuli in the environment, whether it's, you know, another chimpanzee or, um, you know, anything else in the physical world. Mm -hmm. And so what we were able to show is that they do think about the thoughts of others. They know what others can and can't see. um, And they even know when you don't know something. So they really are minds, there are minds in those brains, just like there are minds in our brain. Mm-hmm. And so the, the reason we made that discovery, though, where other people didn't, is the instinct of most researchers was we have to train the animal to do the task, and we're going to train them, you know, sort of with rewards and lots of repetition and really, you know, a lot of elbow grease, and we're going to make them do it, basically. Mm-hmm. And our approach was completely opposite. It was, let's watch them, let's observe them, let's think about when they might use their minds to solve the types of problems we want to look at, and let's see if then we can recreate that in some games where they think it was really fun to show us how smart they are. And that's why we were successful. Mm. And that's so the, the there's the motivation, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same story with John. And this conversation comes up a lot for me, you know, in the world of dog training and behavior is that, you know, peop- like you're asking another animal who has its own preferences, feelings, will, desire, you know, all these, you know, is a, its own unique individual. You're asking them to work for you. And it really, there, it brings up a really rich conversation about motivation and sort of philosophy about how do we motivate. Um, I know John talked in his book when about working with Chaser is that or his daughter actually was sharing one time that he had asked Chaser to do something that she knew and she didn't do it. And he was just like, you know, okay, whatever, and just kind of played with her a little bit more and then asked again and then she did it, and he said she has to get her way sometimes. Why should I always get mine? Yep, absolutely. So it's, it's instead of they're working for you, you're working with them. And so, um, you know, if you understand it's a partnership, then, you know, I think things go really, really well. Yeah, for sure. And it's, and it's you know, also holding that you can also be the one ultimately, you know, calling the shots. It's kind of like, like... Yes, we're we're working together, and we're more well, and then, you know mutual yeah. respect, but also like what you know, you know. I think the mutual respect thing is key. Absolutely, and you know we touch on that in the book, but not directly. We indirectly talk about it because we talk about the origin story of the relationship between humans and dogs. Yeah, 
And the origin story is not that people went out and said, let's make wolves into dogs. That's just not what happened. Instead, it's much, much more likely that wolves actually chose us, Mm. and they domesticated themselves. And it was because there was a relationship that was beneficial to both. So that's been the story for tens of thousands of years, and so that's what the story is going to have to be to continue to be successful. Yeah. Dogs and people have been living together, and for most of that time, the nature of the relationship has really been working together, up until very recently. Yeah, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, exactly. And, you know, any animal, after being bossed around for a while, is going to say, well, eh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now, since I know you'll know, I've heard so many different, you know, oh, this this many years and that many years and this theory and that theory. Um. I've heard 14,000, I've heard 30,000, I've heard over 100,000 years that people and dogs have been living together, and then different theories about how it happened. The one I found very interesting was about flight distance. What is the most, what is like the, is is there one that's been landed on? Well, the, you know, the best archaeological evidence is for 12,000 years. So where you can pick up remains of dogs defined by morphology, morphological differences uh, that are predicted by domestication. That's for sure that's dated at 12,000. Now, there's some stuff from earlier where people are saying, well, maybe as far back as 33,000 years ago we have some remains, and that's partly based on morphology but also partly based on ancient DNA technology, which, of course, is brand new. Um, And then... You know, the changing dates is all about the changing technologies. So the 140,000 date that came along around 2002, well, that changed because they were only using mitochondrial DNA. Mm. When they started using what's called autosomal DNA, mitochondrions are the little uh, energy powerhouses in all of our cells. They have their own separate DNA, and that's the DNA they were using. You only inherit it from your mother. Mm -hmm. But when they started using the full autosomal DNA that we all have, in our nucleuses of our cells, well, then they had to refine that. And it, then the date became, you know, more like 40,000 years. Mm. And that's a little bit, I mean, there's a lot more confidence around that 40,000-year date. But there's still, there's still debate about whether that's really accurate because you have the archaeological record where, you know, really the oldest remains we have are around 12,000 years ago. Yeah. So... That's a long time, between 12 and 40. Sure. But the hope will be with ancient DNA and being able to actually get DNA out of um, some uh, wolf-like remains that may actually be dog-like genetically, we'll be able to pinpoint more precisely. So whenever I say, I always say as much as 40,000 years ago. Um, And I think that's where people are saying it's at least 40,000 years ago that the relationship began, uh, or maybe as much as, but for certain, by 12. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's good clarifying for me, (laughs) because I've heard a lot of numbers, (laughs) you know, swirling around. I understand, and it's just, it's, um, it's, you know, because geneticists use new technology, it gets a lot of um, press and a lot of attention. Yeah. But then when these discoveries are covered, they're not discovered as science discoveries. They're discovered, they're sort of covered as, this is it. And, you know, it's always a work in progress. Right. Yeah. That's the nature of science, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 
really excited for your program this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights, three different shows. So it's a three-part are there is there like a so it's called Is Your Dog a Genius? Dr. Brian Hare is the host. Is there like a the the Friday nights about this, the Saturday nights about that? Like are they broken down in a Yeah, so you know, in all the shows you're gonna meet amazing dogs doing amazing things with super cool stories. I was I mean, I honestly felt pretty honored and lucky to get to hang out with some of these dogs and yeah. see them do their work. Yeah. Um, and then each night you're going to meet, you know, regular old dogs as well. And the, sh- the first show is um, sort of about the basics of dognition and, um, you know, comparing dogs to wolves. And um, we start talking about, um, you know, the communicative abilities of dogs. But then mm-hmm. the next two shows are each broken into um, looking at two types of intelligence in dogs. So mm-hmm. the next two nights cover... Um, uh, I believe it is empathy and uh, memory, and then the, fi- the final night is cunning and inference. So it'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, I think what this show should do is, you know, uh, get a lot of people excited about, you know, giving their dog a chance to show them what they're capable of. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing that really struck me when I was talking with um John Pilly about Chaser was that it was really clear that you know giving giving an animal the opportunity to to learn you know giving them putting a a problem in front of them and giving them the opportunity to solve it um, and then re- relating to dogs as students he said students are not vessels to be filled they are lanterns to be lit oh that's right that's great <laughs> so it's it really is uh, there's just so much uh, really for me deep reason to engage your dog that's in your home with these kinds of exercises that you can find on dognition.com and through working with your dog otherwise you know training there's so many things that you can do and actually engage your dog's brain and give them that gift because they're just not you know to generalize they're not um that that potential is not maximized nearly enough, and uh, it, we really don't do them justice by just you know giving them affection all the time and not actually engaging with them in a in a way that gets to know their mind. Well, and it's fun. It's and, totally and fun. Has to be fun. <laughs> it is. It has to be fun. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for all the just incredible work that you're doing, and I just really look forward to hearing about what all you learn and what what your work reveals and the work of everybody around the world, all the citizen scientists who have been participating through dognition.com. And wherever you are listening from, you can just go get on your computer, go to dognition.com, and you can um, get a subscription. And then with a sc- subscription, people get monthly games, like a new exercise every month. Is that right? So you can buy the toolkit. That's what gets you the report. And okay. then... Subscription is another um, uh, thing that you can sign up for that gives you that game every month. So you can not only learn about your dog, but then once you enter in the data from your work with your dog, then you get to see how your dog compares to the 10,000 other dogs who have participated. So that's really fun, too. Yep. 
All right. Well, I look forward to watching your show this weekend. Again, that's on Nat Geo Wild. It's called Is Your Dog a Genius? It begins Friday, this Friday, May 15th, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, and continues with two additional shows. They're not the same show every night. It's a three-part series, Saturday and Sunday night as well at 10 p.m. Look forward to watching that. And uh, Dr. Hare, thanks again so much for your time today. Oh, it was a total delight. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, we'll be back in just a few minutes with The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. See the dog and butterfly Up in the air we like to fly The dog and butterfly Below she had to try She rolled back Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. Hey, dog show fans. Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray pure air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for pure air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit dogradioshow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. More talk, less rock. Come on, that's a good thing. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. See the dog and butterfly Up in the air we like to fly Dog and butterfly Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. I was talking on the show today with Dr. Brian Hare, who is the co-founder of Dognition.com, 
one of my favorite dog websites. You can go to dognition.com and play learning games with your dog and enter in the you know what your dog do- does, what you observe. They set you up with these exercises and enter in the data and then they'll let you know not only your dog's learning style as an individual but also compare your dog with all of the other dogs who have participated in Dognition, which is now over 10,000. And um, it's really exciting work if you're um, as inspired as I am about um, the mental capabilities of dogs and communicating with dogs and interacting with dogs in a really meaningful way. And it's something that I so recommend that people do because dogs are so often lack a constructive outlet for their mental energy. When people think of meeting their dog's energy needs, we tend to think of just physical energy. And there's a lot of dogs. If you have a dog who you can run, 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 run that dog and you get that dog home and that dog's like, great, what are we doing now? And you're like, seriously, I just ran six miles with you. This would be like our male cattle dog, Levi, <laughs> to be uh, to speak from personal experience. What's next? And you're like, you should be tired right now. That's because the mental, they need an outlet for that mental energy. And so there's lots of really wonderful ways that you can engage your dog's brain and give them some work to do, give them some problems to solve because they just don't have that enough. And uh, that can actually result in some behavioral challenges. So for so many reasons, I encourage you to participate in dognition.com. Now, Dr. Hare is the host of Is Your Dog a Genius, which premieres this weekend, beginning Friday, May 15th, and continuing Saturday and Sunday. It's a three-part television series, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as part of Nat Geo Wild's BarkFest which is being kicked off by Dr. Hare's show, Is Your Dog a Genius? And he said at the beginning of the interview, the question really is not, is your dog a genius? But it's really more, what kind of a genius is your dog? So anyway, wonderful conversation with him. Um, He's also the uh, co-author of The Genius of Dogs, um, great book. Um, But definitely check that out this weekend. And go to dognition.com. So have some announcements. Uh, There is a titer clinic this Saturday at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. Uh, And it's a titer, if you're not familiar with it, is uh, basically a way to test your dog's antibodies. Um, I believe it's antibodies. But, you know, do a blood test with your dog and to see if they are still basically covered um, from the vaccine that they had however long ago that was. Um, I've interviewed Dr. Gene Dodds a couple times over the years on the show, and I'm actually getting ready to have her back on the show about her new book about, uh, it's called Nutrigenomics. So that'll be, a, um, I'll be getting my share of mental stimulation prepping for that show. She's brilliant. Um, but anyway, she, you know, she's doing this work that's really, testing and showing that we vaccinate too frequently, that dogs are oftentimes covered for much longer than the industry standards require. You know, for example, rabies is required. It varies state by state, but in Washington state, it's every three years. And that she's actually suggests that 
these vaccines are good for five to seven or even more years and that we don't need to be giving dogs these vaccines so frequently. And the reason why it's important is because vaccines, you know, can cause dogs, you know, minimally to not feel good um, all the way to having really severe reactions. And I've experienced this firsthand. We had a German shepherd almost die from a rabies vaccine. um, And, you know, fortunately, we were able to pull her through it in part because we were able to consult with Dr. Dodds about it. But it's definitely something to be really mindful about. And the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland is offering a tighter clinic uh, this Saturday, May 16th, from 1 to 5 at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. You need to call to reserve your spot if you're interested in this. 425-739-4738. Call to reserve your spot. 425-739-4738. And they're offering um, titers for Parvo and Distemper vaccines. Um and it's $50 for the parvovirus distemper titer. So you will, if your dog is due for that vaccine and you want to test and see basically if they need it again, this is what, um, that is what this accomplishes. Um, so it's great work. Rabies, um, because of Washington state law, uh, does not unfortunately accept titer results instead of a vaccine. So you can't legally get away with showing a blood titer for rabies, um, you know, in lieu of the vaccine, according to Washington state. But um, but if you wanted to know anyway, um, or if you wanted to do it for some of the other vaccines that also are recommended, you know, every three years or whatever, you can legally do that. And um, Natural Pet Pantry will be offering that titer clinic for parvovirus and distemper vaccines, or titers, I should say, um, this Saturday, May 16th, from 1 to 5 at Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. It's right in the same shopping center as the PCC. It's a lovely location. Call to reserve your spot, 425-739-4738. Jet City Animal Clinic is going to be hosting a Old Dogs New Tricks class, which is very exciting. I don't have the date of when that starts, but I believe it's in June. Old Dogs New Tricks at Jet City Animal Clinic Um, going to be taught by my wife, Darcy Boltz, who's an excellent trainer and does, has done a lot of work in the, um, service dog field. And she's really excited to teach this class as well. You can call Jet City Animal Clinic 206-329-0253 for more information. Big thanks to our partners, Pure Air Odor Eliminator. Love them. They'll be at Auburn's Petapalooza this weekend. So if you go down there on Saturday, be sure to say hi to them and, um, Jet City Animal Clinic and the Natural Pet Pantry. And thanks so much for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You can find all of our episodes archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, or you can go to iTunes and download for free. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We'll be back next Wednesday live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening.